Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, this is a service we were allowed to talk to me. Good evening, everyone. Yes, wonderful. I'm Eve, I'm part of the team here, one of the vicars at St. George's. It's a joy to be speaking to you for a few moments this evening along with Josh. I hope you've enjoyed the carols and the song so far. There's more of that to come. Tonight we're gonna be thinking a bit about Christmas. Same, but different. But first, Dolly Parson is in the building, everyone. How amazing was that? That was incredible. I requested the same intro music. Um, I was denied. I'd like to talk about that later. Dolly Parson, if you didn't know, wrote the first song that Jess sang tonight. She is a country music legend and superstar, an actress, an author, a businesswoman, a generous humanitarian, and Miley Cyrus's godmother. Her song, Nine to Five, became a bit of an anthem for office workers in 1980 upon its release. It's an honest, vulnerable, and aspirational song about what it feels like to do the same thing day in, day out, often with no thanks. I wonder what your day-to-day looks like at the moment. Do you enjoy your work, your nine to five, if you have one? Or maybe you're looking for work at the moment. Are you rising early for a 9 a.m. lecture, or do you have a bit more of a lion in the morning? Are you pouring yourself a cup of ambition in the morning and setting off? Or is there a better life that you're thinking about? What's your routine like? Do you have a routine. My first hot drink of the day, everyone, is an Earl Grey tea. Yeah, I know, it's good, isn't it? And then I move on to the cup of ambition, the stronger stuff, the coffee. The shepherds we've heard about in our Bible reading tonight were the office workers of their day, or really the call center workers, keeping services running. They worked shifts, ensuring constant care of their herds of sheep, a valuable commodity at that time. And their routine would have included the night shift, so probably less 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and more 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. And you may know or think you know the shepherd's story, or you might know the carol, while shepherds watched their flocks by night. You may have dressed up in the obligatory tea towel uh, for the school nativity or the nativity that you've been involved with even as an adult. But this account is worth far more attention than the once a year nativity play. It's the story of normal, everyday folks being, having their routines utterly interrupted by the best news in the world. Now, in the past two years, we have experienced the huge interruption of COVID-19, causing distress, pain, isolation, and death. And while I don't know what the impact on each person here will have been, I know there will have been an impact. 
our same was met with sudden change and adaptation. Some of it forced upon us, some from within, as we learned to live in different ways. We've learned more than ever that we are not as in control of our lives as we would like to be. That we need one another, even if from two meters away or a Zoom call. And I'd suggest we've learned that we need a savior. Our Christmas last year was certainly interrupted and at quite late notice. On the 16th of December last year, we were headed towards gathering with friends and family. We were told to cancel Christmas would be inhumane. But three days later, we must again look at Christmas. Tonight we are indeed looking again at Christmas. And I wonder what your Christmas usual is. What your routine is when you can do Christmas the way you hope and expect. Are you with extended family, the Queen's speech, a turkey roast dinner, or maybe new friends that you've made along the way? Are you arguing over who is going to wear or not the party hats that come from Christmas crackers? I try and avoid them, but I often end up wearing one. Are you on your own? Are you with a couple of friends? Are you that person that goes for a Christmas morning run? As you can see from my face, I am not. As shepherds watched their flocks by night, unknown to them, the first Christmas had already begun. A baby had been born that would change the course of history and the cosmos. He'd been born to everyday people in an everyday town and laid down in a manger, a feeding trough, in an everyday home. So how do we know this baby is special? And that maybe the good news this baby brings is for everyone. Because an angel appeared. The glory of the Lord shone around them. God sent a spiritual messenger, surrounded by heaven's fanfare, to declare, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. God's promise of old of a rescuer was coming to pass. And the first people to hear the news were the ordinary guys working the night shift. So what do you do when a heavenly chorus interrupts your day with some life-altering news? Hi, Tom. I think we're about to find out. I think we could recreate that moment together now. Why don't we do that? Good evening. My name is Josh. I'm also one of the vicars here. Are there any other Bieber fans in the house? Come on. That was incredible. Honestly, if you squinted a little bit, it was like being at a Justin Bieber concert. No offense, Dan. Right, I should probably uh, take this off, shouldn't I? So we just heard a story about an old man called Simeon in a temple searching for a savior. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is not exactly your classic Christmas story, is it? In fact, these days, you're more likely to come across lobster number three in the nativity scene than you are to find old man waiting in a temple. But if Christmas 2020 was the year to drop all of our Christmas traditions at the last minute, then perhaps I want to suggest tonight, this Christmas, Christmas 2021, might be the year that we discover new traditions for the first time. 
Instead of those samey, safe routines that we've become familiar with, whatever they are for us, uh, turkey roast dinners, Christmas crackers, Queen's speech, why don't we try something new this year? I've got a couple of suggestions for you. So first of all, you might like to do what the people of Yevla in Sweden do at Christmas time. Apparently, each year, they erect a 40-foot goat made of straw in the town square. You can see it just here. It's a thing of beauty, isn't it? And, and it gets stranger than this, don't worry. All of the locals each year try as hard as they can to burn down the goat, despite it being heavily guarded by security guards and fences. So maybe this year, you need to get out the straw, get out the tools, and get building a goat in your garden. Or how about something different to eat? Instead of that dry turkey roast dinner, why don't you do what apparently 3.6 million Japanese families do every year on Christmas Day? That is, head down to your local KFC and get yourself a big bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. <coughs> Nothing like Kentucky Fried Chicken to get you in that Christmassy mood, hey? But we know, don't we, that when our traditions are disrupted, we can't rely on things that used to be familiar. We have to search for new ways to exist. And it's in the midst of this searching that we most need to hear from the prophets of our age, to listen to the voices of those who speak profound truths that they have pondered for many years. In the words of the great prophet Bieber, you can't predict the future. Because certain things are out of our control. If we've learned anything in the past two years, it's that we are not in control. How piercingly Bieber stares into the depths of our souls. Being out of control, not knowing what is going to happen, is a vulnerable and scary place to be. And when all of our traditions suddenly stop, all of our routines go out the window, we look for new things to take their place. That's why 2020 was the year of Tiger King, homemade bread and terrible haircuts. 2021 has also been a year of new and exciting things. We've learned what it looks like to eat outdoors in freezing cold temperatures. We figured out what it looks like to win at football. Yeah. And then we figured out what it looks like to lose at football again. Yeah, sad. I'm still not over it. It's been a year of discovering things that we thought we'd forgotten a long time ago, like Adele. <laughs> this, this forced change that we've all undergone has not been entirely negative either. In fact, many of us have found that there's something strangely releasing about having to suddenly stop lots of things that we were doing. We suddenly have chance to re-evaluate and reassess what it is that we really care about. What do you really care about? Apparently, last year saw a, a, a surge by about 50% of people searching online for prayer. When we are disrupted, when our routines are stopped, we find sides of ourselves that surprise even us. So perhaps you are one of those people who discovered a spiritual curiosity in the last year that you didn't know that you had. Perhaps you have prayed for the first time in the last year. I wonder where that has taken you. 
let's return to Simeon. Simeon, like us, is in the midst of a routine. He does the same thing day in, day out. He goes to the temple, he prays, he reads the scriptures. He's waiting, he's waiting for something to change. Simeon is waiting for a savior to set his people free, a ruler to bring justice to the world. Simeon is waiting for God to break into his everyday and to change it. And when he is confronted with this baby, against all the odds, he knows that this is what he has been hoping for. So much so that he tells us, I am ready to die. We don't hear again from Simeon in the New Testament. And I like to wonder, what has changed for him from this moment on? What does it look like now that he has seen his savior? I wonder if it feels a bit like this. I don't know if you've ever been for Christmas dinner at somebody's house that you don't know very well, or celebrating a festival in a country that you've never been to before. I remember the first time that I went for Christmas dinner at my in-law's house after I just got married. There was something very familiar about everything that we did. We did the same things that we did in my family. We went to church, we opened some presents, we had a roast dinner, we watched a bit of TV, and yet there was something so alien about that experience. The same, but different. And so maybe for Simeon, not very much changed about his day-to-day life. And yet, everything had changed now that he had seen his savior. I wonder about you. What, Eve asked us, what is your routine? What is your everyday life? Perhaps you have become bogged down and familiar with life. Perhaps you've become bogged down in those predictable routines that make up your hours and days and months and years. But what if, what if this is more than just a nice myth that we tell ourselves each year to make us feel festive? What if Simeon was right that God has broken into our universe and changed everything? What if what we are searching for is not more of the same, but something completely different entirely. Perhaps what we're looking for is not, in fact, the best homemade bread recipe. What we're looking for is not a new Adele album or even the profound words of Justin Bieber. What if what we're really looking for is God to break into our lives, to offer hope that cannot be destroyed, life that cannot be extinguished, love, that cannot be broken. What if things could be different this year? So Eve, it's nearly Christmas. It's nearly Christmas, guys. Yes. Apparently, they're more excited for Justin Bieber than Christmas in this room. I think they are. But maybe I'll try it again. Eve, and everyone else, it's nearly Christmas. It's nearly Christmas. It is, yeah. So I don't know about you, I don't know what your favourite moments of Christmas are, but I'm going to confess, okay. just to you, this okay, evening, just, yeah. uh, that one of my guilty pleasures of Christmas is watching people open terrible presents. Okay. I love it when someone gets a present they didn't ask for, and they don't want, and it's completely unsuitable for them. Just the look on their face when they open a gift like that is just priceless. So, it got me wondering, Eve, what has been the most disappointing present that has been opened in your family household? Yeah, well, I've been thinking about this, and uh, a few years ago, 
my mum was given by kind of auntie and uncles on my dad's side, and my mum and dad are watching the live stream and can verify this. My mum was given a garden foam kneeler. So you, you kneel it down, so Sounds your knees. Lovely. Yeah. In the shape and design of a corn on the cob. Wow. Yep. That's incredible. And I have it here. This is the gift, guys. Wow. This was wrapped up. Can you show us how it works? Yeah, do you want to see how it works? Very practical and tasty. Wow, that's there you amazing. Go. How about you? So, so this isn't a Christmas story, but I, I can't resist telling you this story because it cracks me up every time I think about it. But for context, I have a four-year-old son called Judah, and I've never met anybody in my life who loves presents more than Judah. So much so that if you come and knock on our front door, he will open the door and say, what present have you got for me? That's, have, that's his greeting. I have experienced that. Yeah, it's not good, is it? But anyway, he won, a, a few weeks ago, he received a package in the post, and it had his name on the front. He got very excited. It's going to be something good, maybe some new Paw Patrol, who knows? Yeah. So he opened up this package and pulled out a single odd sock. <laughs> and uh, he'd left it at his friend's house a few weeks earlier, and they sent it back to him. And honestly, I've never seen the child look more crushed and disappointed. It was incredible. <laughs> oh, poor Judah. It's character building. It's good okay, time. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I think he's in good company with Jesus as a toddler as well because Jesus got some unexpected gifts from the three wise men, yeah. which maybe you've also seen in the Nativity play or you've played one of the three wise men. Now, now we know that they might not all have been men, and that we have the number three in our heads because of the number of gifts named in the Bible passage that we heard. So it's more helpful to think of these guys as wise astronomers from the East, far outside of Jesus' own family and heritage. So basically what you're saying is these are the worst guests for a toddler's birthday party. Yes. So they bring along, they come along to a now two or three-year-old Judah, um, Judah Jesus' <laughs> Jesus. house. And they bring these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is not your Paw Patrol merch or your Justin Bieber hat that baby Jesus asked for, is it? It's not. And although gold would have been helpful for some spending money for Mary and Joseph, they were more likely to have seen it decorating the Jewish temple than being played with in their living room. Gold was a symbol of royalty, of a king. Frankincense is an even weirder gift um, for a young child. It would have been a familiar smell for his parents because it was used to make incense for temple worship. Frankincense is a symbol of the divine, of God. And the first two, I think, could have passed as like odd gifts from unexpected guests. But the third one really takes it to the next level because myrrh was the oil used to embalm dead bodies. Myrrh is a symbol of death. So gold for a king, frankincense for a god, myrrh for a body. These astronomers clearly understood something about this baby. This is no ordinary baby. They understood who Jesus would later claim to be and prove himself to be. God in person, come to live a perfect life, to die a sacrificial death, and to be raised to new life as a king over the whole universe. This is the good news the shepherds stopped their everyday routine to come and hear. This is the news that Simeon had been waiting his whole life for. Things would never be the same after this moment. And maybe this all feels a little bit distant for some of us, a little bit once upon a time. 
But Jesus has been changing the course of people's lives for centuries since that first Christmas. And for me, it was when I was 17 and I had a spiritual experience in prayer where I felt the love and the power and presence of God as if for the first time. And that power and presence of God is known to Christians as the Holy Spirit. I knew deep down that I was loved and known, that I was forgiven for the mess ups, the things that I'd done wrong in my life, and that I had a purpose beyond my own wants and my own insecurities. And life wasn't the same after that. It was like it was in color. Through the highs and the lows, Jesus has walked with me, guiding me, and he's taken me into a community where I'm known and loved as well, where I don't need to prove myself or be in control because Jesus has already shown me how much he loves me and he's guiding me each day. For me, one of the most profound experiences of God's love that I've had has come from being a dad. So uh, me and my wife Ellie had our third child, Zach, about nine weeks ago, there he is. <laughs> Everybody loves a cute baby photo. Um, but honestly, holding that little life in my hands for the first time is one of the most profound things that I've experienced in my entire life. In that moment, all of my priorities and desires are rewired. I would literally do anything for this little life that I hold in my hands. It almost feels like Coldplay wrote those lyrics for exactly that moment. You are my universe. I just want to put you first. For me, it's been a real revelation, reflecting on the fact that that's precisely how God feels about me. That's how God feels about you. No matter who you are, or how you feel, or what you've done, God looks at you and says, I would do anything for you to know how much I love you. And God did. God came in person, in Jesus, to show us how different life could be, being connected to his love, his forgiveness, his purpose for us and the world. And unlike bad gifts, you can have that, there you go. Um, Sometimes you get a gift that is just so personal and so good that you didn't actually ask for, but when you receive it and you open it, it makes so much sense. And that's how I would describe being known and loved by God in the person of Jesus. And this gift is for you, not just for me or Josh or the band or the friends that might have invited you to church tonight. It's for everyone. So, as we run up to Christmas 2021, none of us know what the future is going to hold. We don't know whether 2022 will hold more of the same or something different entirely. But let me encourage you to take a moment this season to pause and to reflect on what has been, what has changed for you, and what might be in store for you next. My prayer for you and for all of us this Christmas is that this might be a season in which we receive the gift of Jesus as they did on that very first Christmas. And I pray that you would let Jesus transform your life as we have shared tonight. So will this Christmas for you be the same or different? Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. 
For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.